Hey friends, it's Eric here. Thanks for listening to the Building Us podcast. Hey, I want to invite you to follow me on my new show, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School, where I take a deeper dive into money and financial topics. You can find it wherever you listen to your podcast, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School. I hope to see you there. We're all trying something new. All of these things that we're trying are experiments. And and when we have successes in the midst of that, take the time to celebrate that. Taking time to celebrate something actually shows that we're moving in a good, positive direction. And it's fun. So we're adding fun into even the chores. We're adding fun into the planning. Been thinking about something, thinking about it for several reasons, and I want to get your opinion on it. Not just your opinion, but I think this is an issue that a lot of families with kids are dealing with right now. Um, and not only your opinion, but we've also invited a good friend of ours, Dr. Ashley Brooks. She's a licensed family therapist and the founder of Restoration Counseling in New Orleans. We brought her on to give her insight uh, into this problem as well. Ashley, how are you? I'm good. Thanks, Eric. How are you? I am doing well. All right. So here, Matt, here's the situation. Okay. Back in, goodness, March, maybe, every family in America with kids was thrust into this new world of having to work from home and homeschool or um, supervise kids that were doing some form of online schooling. The, the, the meme game was strong on social media, right? There was yeah. one of my favorite. I don't know if you saw it. One of my favorites was um, perception of homeschooling moms prior to COVID-19. And they had, you know, a group of ladies with bonnets and long skirts. Um, And then the next was perception of homeschooling moms post COVID-19. They're like these gunslinger cowboys. Yeah. Did you see that one? I didn't, I didn't see that one, but I did see one about, uh, you know, what's going to happen to this generation of kids that have been now raised uh, being schooled at home by day drinking parents. <laughs> there was, yeah, one of, one of my favorite, another one of my favorites was um, it's like day one, you know, one kid's suspended, one kid's expelled and the teacher got fired for drinking on the job. <laughs> That's right. Something along those lines. So wait, let me let me get some let me get to the problem here. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna get lost in in memes, which actually would make for a pretty good show. So um, that was this past school year, right? The second semester of the 2020 school year. We have parents in this new crazy world of having to homeschool. Well, as we look forward into the fall semester of 2020, we're still looking at the prospects of parents having to homeschool their kids. Um, I know that we're in a position for our oldest of having, you know, we got a survey from school about what's our preference for school. You know, is it online? Is it some, some combination of online and uh, physical uh, school? And the problem is that parents are having to make these decisions and they work. Like how in the world do families even begin to have to make these decisions. And, and as a financial planner, we deal in the unknown all the time. And it's so hard. People come to me, hey, what should I do? Should I do X or Y? And I'm like, well, um, it depends. Well, it depends on what? Like, you know, what do you think is going to happen? Right? It's so hard to yeah. plan with the unknown. So talk to me about that. Talk to me about where do we even start the conversation? Yeah. I mean, this conversation has, has evolved e- even in the last month. Uh, in terms of there's still so much uncertainty about schools in the fall. Uh, I can't, I don't know exactly what's going to happen with my kids' school in the fall. Um, most of my clients whom I talk to don't have any real certainty or answers about their schools. And so we're entering into the summer. You know, it's summer is a time when often in New Orleans, kids are attending camps throughout the day so that parents are working. Parents are trying to go back to work, trying to earn income without having stable child care and, and no real certainty or answers leading into the fall. And so uh, it is a real time of limbo for parents. And, and you know, limbo creates anxiety and, and anxiety creates distress. And so we have a lot of, 
a lot of distressed families trying to figure this stuff out right now. And so uh, we're grateful to have Ashley Brooks with us today. Um, and I'd love to get your take on some of this, either love to hear how this is affecting you, your family, your, your own decisions about returning to work, or, you know, some of the stories that you've heard from your own clients. Sure. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's definitely a situation and a, um, an environment that is creating increased distress. You know, as, as I think about my own personal family, um, both my husband and I work full time. And so, um, and we have, you know, our kiddos at home um, right now. And so trying to figure out how to manage work and school at the same time is difficult. And then the, the piece of the unknown um, about school for the fall, um, while we have possible scenarios um, of what could happen, there's not really any specific um, known um, plan that is going to happen. And so um, the when you are presented with a number of different scenarios as you're trying to plan for your job um, and how to maintain a job at the same time, like it's very distressful to try to come up with four different plans for four different scenarios. And you only have, you know, several, you know, I think it's about between five to maybe eight weeks before school starts back. And so everybody's trying to make plans. You know, when you're thinking about a job, you have to make a plan, you know, you have to plan for, um, several weeks out, not just be able to make a plan immediately and change and shift things. And so the unknown creates this, um, this inability to create a, a plan um, of action, which is also kind of a, um, for me, as I'm thinking about it from a, a personal standpoint, um, it can feel a little bit like we're being trapped because we don't know, we don't have the ability to move forward. We don't know what exactly to do, but we also have to plan for the unknown. Um, without any um, idea of what that unknown is going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that an unknown uh, in terms of what will school be like for the fall has already shifted in the last week or two right. as uh, there, there have been additional diagnoses and cases of, of COVID throughout the South, including you know, New Orleans is, is handling it in its own way. Other, other cities and states are handling it in their way. And so even this conversation is still very, very fluid and shifting. Uh, I think for our family, we got one of these school surveys about what, how would you like your kid to attend school? Since we got the survey and submitted the survey, more data has come out about COVID cases. And so schools are really in a very difficult position also of having to, uh, to set up education parameters. And as you all know, many, many teachers in these schools are parents also. And so they're trying to figure out how they're supposed to do their work, teach our kids while taking care of their own kids. Very difficult situation. I, 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 it's hard for me to imagine a, uh, a national kind of workplace and childcare crisis that's much more intense than this summer is going to be for parents. This is a really difficult time. I was talking to one of the um, kids in the neighborhood. This is a, a funny conversation. They were complaining about it being summertime. I'm like, don't you like the summer? They're like, yeah, I love the summer. Then like, why, why are you complaining? It's summertime. I have these wonderful memories of summertime. She's like, yeah, but we've been out of school for three months. And I'm like, what well, do you like school? She goes, yeah, but like, I wish, you know, we didn't have the structure and now we're going from like unstructured school into summertime. And, and even kind of in her uh, own mind, there was this, there was this, I'm going to say anxiety or, or, or uncertainty of like, what's even going on here? Like this has almost robbed me of my summer, even though I've had this long kind of summer, it's kind of robbed me of, of mm -hmm. the summer. Mm -hmm. And I, I found that, I found that interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. And another, another detail about this is the age of the kids that we're talking about. I mean, this is affecting juniors and seniors in a different way, you know, and that, that they're losing some of their, uh, their treasured high school experiences. It's, a, it's affecting that age group differently than it would be a four or five or six year old, you know, somebody who's, who's looking forward to starting kindergarten or missed uh, finishing their first year of kindergarten and obviously providing childcare and structure at home is different for a 16-year-old than it is a five-year-old. So 
parents are really in, in, in a very difficult position to try to figure out how to make this work in their home. And so I'd like to take a little bit of time today to kind of talk through some of the, the, the challenges that we see as professionals on the horizon in making this decision. And then I'd like to shift the conversation to uh, things that might be helpful uh, for families. Not that we have the answers, but um, we just, just to kind of shift toward how, how can we support families in, making, in having these conversations and making some of these decisions. So um, the first thing I'd like to, to ask you guys about is that uh, this idea of school uncertainty being a real challenge for families we, we've kind of acknowledged that, but also an opportunity for other families. Some families are looking at this as a chance to rethink how they want to educate their children. Um, some families are looking at this as a, as a way to rethink how they want to spend time together as a family. And, and so some families are really looking at this as an opportunity. I want to get you, your, all, you, your take on how this might be presenting itself as an opportunity for parents and kids? Yeah, I think, you know, I've heard um, a couple of parents say that as their, their kids came home and they began to have distance learning at home, they saw um, a decrease in anxiety in their kids. They began to see um, a, a kid that they hadn't seen in a while actually do work and, and this be a really great experience for them, that their family time was increased. They were actually um, having more fun as a family together. And they were seeing their, you know, we, we kind of talk about when the anxiety goes down with kiddos that might be demonstrating um, a good bit of anxiety, maybe behavioral issues that we get to see the real kid come out and um, the relaxed kid, the one that is um, the, the one that we want to be able to help them get to, right. And, and be able to live life from that place. And um, so I've heard families say that this, this distance learning thing has been a, a really great experience for them um, outside of the difficulties that they've had, you know, trying to manage um, work and, and school at the same time. So it's absolutely brought a different, um, um, a different opportunity that would not have been there um, had this, this situation not happened. Yeah. So the opportunity, the opportunity of, um, of getting to see your kid in a more relaxed environment and how that affects the kid's sense of anxiety, but also their behavior, their product productivity, their, um, their, their compliance and obedience, their, their mood, all of those things. And, you know, in counseling in, in the sub discipline of, of career counseling, we talk about para work hours. Para work hours are all the hours that are spent getting ready for work, getting to work, uh, the hours that are spent getting uh, around your normal work job. So it could be attending extra meetings or attending extra trainings. It could be commuting. It could be uh, getting ready and dressed for work. And I've never really heard of, of counselors talk about para school hours for kids, but all the hours kids spend not at school or, or not actually doing schoolwork, but getting ready to do schoolwork or getting to school, tra traversing to school, commuting to school. And so when we've removed a bunch of those para-school hours, para-school work hours, I think you're right. I think many parents are reporting that their kids are calmer, sleeping better, more enjoyable, more productive, and that they're getting their work done quicker. Mm -hmm. um, and so... Yeah, I think parents are, are, and kids are kind of rethinking, hmm, does school have to be the way it has been? Could it be a different way? Mm -hmm. So as you propose this idea, Matt, of kind of rethinking of how, how you know, we, we look at school, how parents think of schooling, it creates this interesting tension. And I find this often in financial planning, this tension of what people are doing with their money, um, and the tension of what they really believe or their values in life. And oftentimes they don't, they don't align. And I think what, what's happened is life is so frantic sometimes uh, prior to COVID, right? We're so busy working, uh, you know, the, the quote unquote, the rat race, we might get sidetracked of maybe the things that we uh, value most, the things that are most important to us, right? We bring kids into this world and we send them to school for eight hours a day. 
And then all of a sudden we're saying like, wait a minute, there's something cool here, right? We're, we're seeing kids learn differently. Their behaviors might be changing, but the tension of like, wait a minute, I, I've got to work. I've got to earn money. I've got a house note. I've got to feed the yeah. kids. And it poses this interesting question of how do we align the two? Like I want this over here, but I kind of feel like Ashley said trapped or forced to have to do this over here. How can I get those more in alignment? Yeah. And so the, the last few months have given people, given families, given parents a, a chance to test out some different ways of doing school that align more closely with how they want to live as a family. And it's interesting to think about how closely aligned kids' education is with childcare, that essentially schools are providing this really important childcare piece to civil society. It's, an, it's a piece of infrastructure that allows parents to work. Like parents can't go to work in the way that they've been working traditionally without having a place to watch their kids. And so school is not only an educational source, but it's a childcare it's a, it's, it's, you know, not a negative sense of the word, but a babysitting of kids also. And without that, it's been very hard for parents to get back to work. Parents are reporting that trying to watch their kids and do work from their home has been really, really difficult, really um, frustrating, really funny, really enjoyable, really irritating. All of those things get swirled up together at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, even from a personal standpoint, it's been um, difficult to, you know, want to be um, engaged with your kids during the day, but then you also have to be engaged with work. And so this, this pull and this tension between how do I engage fully in with the kids as well as engage fully in work or not engage with one of them in order to fully engage with the other. Right. And so there's this piece, that tension and that pull between the, the two when they're, when they're right there and your work is in the same, same home or same office as you're, you're trying to live out or live with family. And that's interesting, Ashley. So we're, we, we're a homeschooling family. We've been homeschooling for, for a long time. Um, Our son is in high school and, and he's going to traditional schooling. So we weren't as shocked, I guess, when, um, when there was no more physical school. Um, but there is that challenge of, uh, my wife early on, um, you know, we made the decision together that she was going to, she was going to stay home in school and I was going to go off to work and that, that has challenges in of itself. But when I come home from work, I don't realize sometimes that she's been home all day. <laughs> and I walk in, I've been away all day. And um, I think as, as parents, parenting is probably by far the hardest thing that, that any of us have to do um, and not have a clear boundary or a clear separation and not really being used to having to create those boundaries. Parents are thrust in this situation. It's like you start to feel bad because like I, my kids are annoying me. Like, my kids constantly annoy me. And you start to feel like, you have to question yourself as a parent, like, oh my gosh, what kind of parent am I? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have all these feelings and now we're, we're, we're looking at this as a, you know, first we thought this was a short-term thing and now it's going to be a little bit longer term than we originally thought. Mm-hmm. And, and again, uncertain about how long a term it's going to be. We just don't know. So it's very hard to plan your, own, your, your work as a parent. Mm-hmm. So we are seeing some parents considering not returning to work, especially not physically going to work or going to the office, and in that they, they would like to be at home participating more directly in their kids' education and are seeing that as an opportunity now that uh, wasn't even on the landscape, their landscape a year ago. We weren't, last summer, we weren't talking about, oh, I wonder if I can stay home with my kid and, and help them in school and work from home. It's a, it's a new reality for most of us, a new possibility. I think, I think there's those parents that are actually seeing it as a possibility. And I think that there's an, another group of parents possibly seeing it as, um, in lack of a better terms, a threat maybe to financial stability as well. Um, yeah. Because if you are 
um, a single parent um, and your kids are, you know, facing uh, three to five days at home, you know, uh, a week, how do you work and help pay the, you know, make sure that the bills are paid as well as take care of your, the, the, the schooling for your kiddos, because there is a coaching aspect as a parent. It's not just distance learning, right? Um, if they're going to school, there has to be a piece of, of that coaching. And, um, you know, it, it also begs the question of, you know, is this, um, what does this look like for women in the workforce? Does this mean that the women, you know, end up pulling back a good bit? Um, and if, you know, if there's a, a dual workforce, is it, you know, is it the idea that the men, are going to get to stay in work and the women are going to have to pull back or the women going to be able to continue to go to work. And, and so I think that brings up a lot of different um, quote unquote possible threats or feeling like they're threats to, um, to work for, for the family as well. I really like the, go ahead, Matt. Yeah. I really like thinking about how this will affect different family constellations differently and, and the impact that it might have for, for dual, earn, dual income earning families, um, for parents that are seeing this as a possibility versus those that are seeing this as a threat, for those that have to be out working to earn the money uh, that their family relies upon. Um, yeah, it, this, this huge decision that our, our society is, is facing doesn't affect everyone equally and certainly affects uh, there are some families that are just more vulnerable to this whole decision than others. And, and, and that's something to, to be aware of for sure. Yeah. Ashley, you brought up the, the, the financial stresses, right? And, and we already live in a, in a economy that is 70% consumption, which means 70% of our economy is based off of people buying things, spending money. And the only way people can spend money is if they earn it. So we already have this culture, this society that's built on people spending. And now the threat to the economy is, wait a minute, if people are making these decisions, Matt, to maybe not work or to cut back or to scale back, it means people have less money. It means people can't buy as much, can't spend as much. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the threat to the family is like, wait a minute, I've got a lifestyle that is built on a certain amount of income. It's built on two incomes. How, how do I even do that? What, what does that do to our lifestyle? So you talk about this idea of resetting maybe how we, how we view education. This is maybe even more fundamentally resetting how we view life, like our, 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 mm-hmm. how we interact every day with, with the stuff that we have, with our jobs, with, with the communities that we're in, um, right? Because if I have a lifestyle now that, that is going to yeah. be impacted because of a change in income, I'm rethinking a lot more than just education. Right. Spending. Uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of couples that I've been talking to have already reported decreased spending over the last few months, uh, that they do have some, some freer money available in the sense that um, they're not going out and buying as much stuff. Uh, they're not commuting as much, and therefore, you know, they're not, they're not spending as much money on gasoline, but they're, because they're not out in the world, they're just not spending as much money either. Um, car insurance rates in many cases have gone down. People are finding uh, ways to, that, they, that there is additional money around. And so it is giving people a chance to kind of realign their, their spending habits with their values and asking the question, do we need as much stuff? Do we need all of that stuff? So it's, it is school, but it's also spending. Another way that I, I see this, this school and money thing connecting for families is in New Orleans, many families are paying for their children to go to school. They're paying for private schools. And oftentimes they're paying for multiple private schools. So one kid goes over here and one kid goes over there. And so in, as soon as we transition to distance or online learning, parents recognize pretty quickly, not all schools are doing this equally and therefore not all schools are as, not all schools are providing the same educational value. And so some parents are rethinking, should I be sending my kid to that school? Should I be paying that amount of money for the quality of education we're getting? And so some parents are thinking about not sending their kids back to the same private schools and freeing up money that way as well. It's, it really is a, 
uh, a complicated, uh, even though uncertain, decision-making time for families. I'm curious, Matt, have you come across that? Have you come across, like I hear, I kind of hear rumblings of that, but I've never heard, I haven't met anyone who said, yes, we're not sending them back to the school. We're going to save our $10,000 tuition. Yeah, I have. I've heard parents talk about that again, because people are so uncertain about what school will be like next year. They might Mm -hmm. not make the decision this year to say, I'm not sending them back, but that now that decision is on the plate. It's on the horizon. Like, do we want to send them back the following year? So parents are, are often thinking right now, the kid has experienced too many changes. Let's just send them back to the same school next year Mm -hmm. if possible, but maybe not the following year. We'll see, you know, maybe there's a better, a better bargain, a better use of our money than that particular school. And so I I am definitely hearing rumblings about that. Um, You know, for kids that are in preschool, there are parents who are thinking about maybe we could, maybe we could find other ways to Mm -hmm. uh, provide our kid the same structure and, 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 um, and supervision without paying for that preschool. So yeah, I am hearing it on, on different levels for different parents. Yeah, and I think, too, there's a, a question of do we send our kids to um, public school where, you know, we don't, as parents, we might not have as much control over the curriculum. We don't know what's coming up. We don't know how to plan. We don't know how to do that. Or do we just transition if we're going to have to be home anyway? Do we just transition completely to homeschooling where we do have more control over? Um, we know how to plan. We know we don't have to worry about turning on the class at a certain time we can just get done with school at the very beginning of the day and then we've got you know more time in the evening or in the afternoons we don't have to plan for a nine o'clock class and then a two o'clock class and then a you know whatever there's this this piece of being able to have more control over that that learning style um, as well if they're going to have to be home then can I have more control and influence in what what my kids are learning mm. Another aspect of this, kind of more on the parent side and less on the kid side, but both, is there are some families that are also just nervous about going back to work, going back to the workplace, the physical office, or sending their kids back to the physical school building. Um, I'm, a, uh, I'm a professor at a university in New Orleans. Um, I know some of my students don't want to sit in the classroom with other students right now. I know... Uh, every family's different. Uh, some people live with children that have, um, that are immunocompromised. Some people interact with parents that are immunocompromised. Every family's a little different. And so everybody's thinking about their own particular situation and, and the, the people around them that they love and want to protect. And so there's a lot of people that just aren't certain that they want to go out there and be in those public communal spaces right now. Yeah, and that poses an interesting challenge. Ashley, you recommended a book a while ago. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. I think the author was um, Ruby Payne. Is mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. about, yeah. I think it was about poverty. and poverty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so what's interesting is, I think in that book, she outlines kind of like, you know, financial poverty. Or I might be getting two books confused here. But also we look at, um, oh, I, don't, I don't know the, the, the exact term that she used, but, you know, we might be, financially poor, but we have a lot of support, emotional support. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting, Matt, you just bring up this idea of the, the reality is, yeah, there's a virus out there and people are afraid. And that could, we, we might have a lot of support, like community support, but this changes how we are able to interact with that community support, right? So grandparents may be caring for kids, but all of a sudden, like, wait a minute, grandma's, you know, 70 plus years old, grandma's in the vulnerable demographic, underlying conditions. That's right. What do you do? That's right. And, and recognizing that normally, you know, New Orleans tends to be a very um, community driven city. Like in they, this, this idea that grandparents and aunts and uncles and, you know, cousins, they're all there. But, you know, if you've got a vulnerable um, section of, of your community, that would be um, at increased risk if they're, if their grandkids or even, you know, nieces, nephews, cousins are going back into a school with 
you know, over a hundred people that they would be in contact with and then coming home, you increase the risk of, of them becoming infected. And so you, you have to deal with how do, how do we support our community? How do we um, do that in a way that is, is going to be safe? And how do we get support from our community in a place that's going to be safe? Yeah. Let's, that, I think that sounds like a great time to shift the conversation towards uh, things that might be helpful for families. And so I'd like to start off that conversation with, with just acknowledgement that this summer's weird. This is a really difficult time for families. Not every, you know, we don't know what to do. We don't know what the fall is going to be like. And in those, in those times, in those uh, spaces in life, I just remind myself and my clients to, to give yourself a break, to don't beat yourself up to allow yourself to kind of slack off if you need to um, and to, to redesign summer into what can we do? Uh, what, what is possible for our family? And, and it doesn't have to be a summer like before. It doesn't have to be a summer like next year. Just, just make it through this summer. What are your thoughts on just give yourself a break? Yeah, I think that whole giving yourself a break is really important and recognizing there's, we all have different expectations of ourselves as parents, as, as employees, as, you know, business owners, as, you know, or uh, whatever that looks like, we all have expectations and, you know, some of us are, have higher expectations than others. And so recognizing that there's a tension in our lives, no matter what. And so being able to give ourselves not a break, not just in our, in our lives as parents, but across the board, like we are living in a pandemic that is completely unprecedented. And so there's no way to know exactly what the right answer in any situation is going to be. So just being able to, um, I was watching the, um, the, la- the latest Frozen movie and they were talking about just doing the next best thing, right? So just mm-hmm. being able to take that, doing that next best thing, um, in the life of your, in, in each aspect of your life, just personally, um, being aware of what that means personally and understanding where we are as individuals and what's going on with us personally, but then also as parents, as spouses, as employees, as um, whatever that looks like, and just being able just to do the next best thing um, in, that, um, in that area of our life. Yeah. Yeah. From a, from a, financial standpoint, everyone's in, everyone's in a different situation, right? So it's so, it's so difficult, you know, personal finance is so personal. It's so nuanced to people's specific situation. But what I would say from a financial standpoint is, um, if ever I'm working with someone who's trying to tackle debt or trying to make some big behavior changes as regard, as as it uh, deals with their finances is to have, um, small, you know, uh, set small uh, goals in small victories. Cause I think a lot of small victories will lead to a bigger victory and to celebrate along the way. So kind of Matt and your idea in this, you know, I'm kind of thinking this as I speak of, of, uh, just taking a break. Um, maybe, maybe, you know, within, within your means, um, maybe you do something that you've never done before with your family. Maybe it's a trip that you've never done before, or it's something on a regular vacation that you've never done before. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're, going to be having our family vacation in a couple of weeks here. And my wife and I are talking about doing something that we've never done on that trip with our kids. It's going to cost some money, but it's different. It's, it's something to look forward to. It's maybe a distraction of some sorts. Uh, maybe not so much a cel- We're not celebrating anything per se, but it's a distraction. And I think distractions are, are, are good. And you know, y'all are the counselor. So you tell me here, I think distractions are good so long as they're, they're, they're short lived. Like you can't distract your way out of, of problems. But, um, I think that that distraction for a season, a short season is, is good. Yeah, that's fine. Good idea. You know, one way that we did that as a family is we had been kind of in a a pretty strict routine of, of meal planning and, and preparing meals and cooking and then eating out, you know, a couple of times a week or something like that. Um, but during this stay at home time, all of a sudden we're in charge of making many more meals together. And there would be times where everybody would just be sick of like eating at home or, or cooking another meal, washing more dishes. And so I think we added on an extra meal a week that we all ate out. And it was kind of like, 
you could get what you wanted. So if you wanted McDonald's and one person wanted Subway, we we could do both. And we just that that was extra planning. That was probably a little extra money, but it was something that everybody it was a distraction that everybody could look forward to that week, knowing they were going to get one meal where they got what they wanted. And uh, it was a nice way to handle meals for us. Yeah. And I think even if you are in a place where um, going out to eat is really not an option for you, how can you even allow maybe possibly kiddos or, you know, other person in your family, the opportunity to help with a meal or to be able to say, Hey, this is what I would like to eat. Everybody pick a day and we, you can choose what you would like to eat. And then we're going to meal plan around that and that we're all going to contribute into the meal planning pieces as opposed to just one person being in charge of that meal planning prep and cleaning up, possibly engage the entire family in that process, which is a creative way of getting our kids involved in and helping. Yeah, that's right. So a second, um, a second recommendation I hear myself making a lot to families is just talk to the family, have a meeting, um, invite everyone in the family and let's plan out the week a little bit better. Let's, um, you know, if you continually as a family find yourself having flashpoints of tension or arguments or, you know, predictable frustrations, that, that usually means that's a point in the family's week where they need a little bit more structure. And so the family needs to come together and just strategize that, that out a little bit more. And, make a plan, make a routine, involve kids in an age appropriate way. Um, but, you know, talk about how do we get school done? How do we get mom and dad's work done? How do we get meals done? How do we get chores done? And, and how do we have fun and include all of those pieces into that seven day week and, and uh, plan that out. So everybody's aware of when these things are going to take place and how they're going to be accomplished. Yeah. And I think too, even adding, Eric, you said something a a little bit earlier about needing to be able to celebrate um, things that are going on. And I think being able to recognize that we're all trying something new, like there's all of these things that we're trying are experiments. And, and when we have successes in the midst of that, take the time to celebrate that. Um, It's, it is taking time to celebrate something actually shows that we're moving in a good positive direction. It's not just, um, and, and it's fun, you know, so we're adding fun into even the chores, like we're adding fun into the planning um, pieces of this. Hey, planning worked. Let's continue to do this. How can we, you know, add game night and planning to the same time? Like just being able to add um, some new things um, that are going to obviously be different in the midst of this COVID experience that we're going through right now. And then also on top of that, being able to celebrate the pieces that, that worked well. Yeah, Matt, to your point about planning and, and kind of having conversations with the family in terms of how do we get work done? How do we get school done? Um, I'm often confronted, you know, d- dealing with, with clients of different types of clients, those people who are really concerned about retirement, those who are not concerned about retirement, young people who are really, really concerned about retirement. And a lot of the conversation is, hey, we, we don't, there's so many variables between now and then that if we get stuck in this, this future over here that, that, you know, we're overlooking all these variables, it's going to drive us crazy. So let's, let's shorten our time frame. I would even say right now with all the variables, like you said, a week ago was different than today in terms of what schools are doing. And this goes into your idea of taking a break. Maybe don't even like plan anything for next year. I mean, just, just don't even look at it. Like let, let, let some of the, let some of the things settle. I know that's kind of, Hmm. I don't know, maybe it sounds irresponsible, but uh, there's going to be six variables that change between now and next week. Yeah. So well, kind, don't, kind of don't let yourself get caught up in ruminating about decisions that haven't been made yet or, or policies that haven't been written yet or, or plans that haven't been decided upon yet. Um, we don't know. So yeah, what, what, we're not going to do, do ourselves. Now? What can yeah. I do now? What do I have direct control over now? And let me focus on that. Right. And what I have direct control over now are these things, and that's what I'm going to focus on. And then I'll deal with that next week because I can't, I can't even deal with it today because my, my best plan today is going to be um, irrelevant in a week or two weeks or certainly in eight weeks. Mm-hmm. For those 
parents who are thinking about going back to work or are being required to come back to work but are also nervous about that, I want to think about those parents a little bit. So ideas for, for parents whose, whose job or whose work is opening back up, as, as we say, and are, are being encouraged to come back to work, uh, how can we support them? And, and one thing that I'm thinking about is, um, is, is just reminding parents to talk to their employers, ask their employer what the options are. Do I, can I continue to work from home? Can I come in early? Can I leave early? What, where are the flexible points um, that I can add to my work? I'm still, you know, if I'm still um, responsible for childcare, these hours at home, how can I, how can I balance that with my work? And so I'm, I'm encouraging parents to, to talk to their employers and their coworkers to figure out different plans and routines of getting the same work done in different, different times. Yeah, that's good. And I think even piggybacking on that, being able to recognize that the right answer or the right decision is going to be different for every family and every person. And so just because you've got one coworker or one, you know, one family member that might be saying, this is the right decision for me. um, It might not be the right decision for, you know, another family or another, you know, coworker. And so recognizing that um, it's making the best decision for your family and for you in the midst of this um, and not um, looking around at everybody else and trying to figure out, well, you know, they're making this decision. Do I need to make it based on what other people are, are doing? Mm-hmm. Do what's best for your family right now. Yeah. And, you know, there are legal protections for employees out there that uh, we need to be reminded of that uh, Congress has done some things to pass some, some legislation to protect coworker to, to protect employees during this time. And so, uh, you know, it might be that, that parents need to uh, be more aware of what they're, what they can and can't do. And maybe they can um, kind of use some of those legal protections to get their own needs met. In that being, maybe I need to stay home a little longer uh, because I don't have childcare for my children and I need to provide childcare for my children. So maybe it's being aware of the legal protections. I also think that it's okay right now to ask your employer, your employment and your coworkers, what are, what are you guys doing to stay safe? What are you guys doing to stay healthy? Um, I think it's okay. I know that's kind of an invasive question, but I think it's okay for if you're working directly around people, sharing spaces, Hey, has, has anyone in your family, has anyone in your, in your community had symptoms? Is everybody okay? What are you guys doing to stay safe? Um, I, I think those are okay conversations right now for the workplace. Matt, you were talking about, about legal protection in the workplace. Let me go back to that real quick and then I'll answer or address something you just said. But um, there's also some provisions that were passed that make it easier for people to access, if they have retirement accounts, to access money in retirement accounts on a, a, on a, on a preferential basis. So if, if people are having to cut back work and it does impact um, lifestyle, uh, th- there are some there are some provisions that, that people have access to. So certainly want to have a conversation with a financial advisor or someone along those lines, if they do find themselves um, in those, in those situations. Um, and it, the idea of talking to your coworkers and asking them what they're, what, what they're doing to keep safe. I think I find, I find that there's two different people who are kind of like um, right now with, when it, when it comes with COVID people who recognize that, Hey, this is something that we really have to contend with. And some people who are like, this is nothing. This is, this is no different. Um, and I think depending on which group you're in or, or who you're around, that kind of, there's almost like a shame thing that goes around. Like I know when I talk to people who, who think this is made up or not as bad, uh, there's always a, a, an initial wave of like, well, maybe I'm making too much of a big deal about this. I feel so, so shameful. And then, then I'm around people who are really taking it seriously and it makes me recognize, hey, me wearing a mask is 
for them. I am, I am showing care for my community, right? Because if you look at all the stats about wearing masks, it's not just about protecting me, but it's also about protecting other people. Mm-hmm. And I think something important to recognize in this whole conversation is if you're feeling something like a financial pinch, if you're feeling the struggle of what to do about school, if you're feeling, oh my gosh, am I taking, make, making too much of a big deal about this? Am I making, not making much of a big deal about this? You're not alone. Like, like someone else around you, chances are, are having the same exact feelings that you are. So there's no sense of, of having to feel shame. I think it's more of a, uh, just be humbled by the fact that you're not alone and that it's okay to ask someone else their thoughts and to reach out and not feel, you know, embarrassed or silly or shameful that you're asking that question. Cause I do think that there's a lot of that that comes with this right now. If you watch the media, every which way, every which way someone can believe is being shamed somewhere. Man, I, I really appreciate that the financial guy is reminding us to talk about our feelings. I've been hanging out with counselors for way too long, man. That's great. (laughs) That's great. Uh, The last thing that I wanted to to bring up as as a as a strategy to to deal with this really difficult time is to for parents to to try to expand their childcare network to include other healthy adults. Um, We've we've kind of alluded to maybe if your childcare if your childcare plan included grandparents or or older or elderly people that may not, that may need to still quarantine or self-isolate. This might be a time to find a couple of dear friends and loved ones, other adults who are healthy, who can be part of the childcare network so that maybe on a Tuesday, they're kind of supervising school. And on Wednesday, you're supervising school and, and families in small groups, I'm not saying big groups of people or anything like that, just in small groups, families working together more to get all of our needs met. Um, just like how we're, we're accustomed to relying on each other for transportation of kids or, or you know, carpooling, uh, maybe there's another way to kind of uh, carepool or, or, you know, grouping a few adults together to provide the necessary supervision as we're trying to get uh, kids educated or keep kids safe or provide supervision that kids need so that other parents can work during that time. Maybe there's a way to kind of bridge that and, and use our community to, to meet those needs. Yeah, I think that's a great idea and recognizing that we're not alone in this. There are, you know, there are every family, um, even singles, you know, every family is having to, to, um, make adjustments here. And so um, specifically singles are dealing with the fact that they're not able to hang out with families. And so even being able to bring them into, you know, if you've got singles in your sphere of influence and in your community, it's a good idea to even be able to talk to them about how can we be family to you in the midst of this, but then also how they might want to even contribute to helping, you know, with, with, um, with kiddos and being a part of that as well, along with, you know, other families that are in your community that have kids as well and bringing them into a full community. You can can do that really safely and responsibly. You can be, people can disinfect as they come in. They can, uh, they don't have to hug. They can stay six or eight feet away from each other, but still be in the same space and be in community with each other and enjoy each other's presence. I think that's, a really important thing to keep in mind that we don't we don't have to isolate ourselves to to be safe and and to rem, to remain safe and to be quarantined we don't doesn't mean we we can't spend time with anyone mm-hmm. we just have to do it in a different way we've covered so we've covered a lot of ground today i think the the primary idea is we want to we want to open up this conversation about um the challenge that parents are facing right now with uh, supervising their kids, supervising their homes, completing all of their work in a time of tremendous uncertainty. And so, yeah, I just really want to thank you guys for being a part of this conversation. And um, uh, as we progress forward in, in this, uh, in the summer and into the fall, I bet we'll have a chance to revisit how this uncertainty is affecting parents and families. Yeah, let me, I want to close with, with saying something, Matt. And this is something that, that you and I 
um, I've talked about for, for years now, and it's something that I actually learned from you and I apply into the financial planning space. And, um, it's the planning process is as important as the plan itself. So as a financial planner, I help people make plans to, to reach financial goals, but I've learned to recognize the actual planning process is more important than the actual solution sometimes, because it's during that process, it's during having those conversations that you start to maybe shift your thinking a little bit, your behaviors start to change a little bit. Things that were important prior are no longer important now. So as parents or as families or as people are starting to look at um, what, what's going to happen eight weeks from now, I think the planning process, the process of having these conversations openly with people is important than what am I actually going to do? What's it actually going to look like? What's my Tuesday going to look like? It's having those conversations that I think are important. And I'll t so that leads to the next thing is you have to have people who you can have those conversations with is I think right now, uh, and I know each of us interact with, with groups of people and individuals that often speak wisdom into our life that we can go to very vulnerably and say, Hey, I'm struggling this, help me think this through. And I think that's something that, um, that people need right now more than ever is, uh, people that they can be vulnerable with, um, and allow them to offer guidance and help them make some decisions or help them talk through the decision-making process. Uh, because that process is as important as the actual uh, solution. Oftentimes, it's good wisdom. Talk, talk through your talk through your plans. It'll help. Absolutely, absolutely. Ashley, anything you want to close with before we part ways here for the day? No, I I really appreciate um, the opportunity to be able to have this conversation. I think it is an important conversation. I think that it's you know definitely as we said, there's no. Um, real, you know, definite solutions that we can offer just advice and thoughts on how to be able to process through these decisions as we're making them. And I think being able to have these um, multi-layered conversations right now is really helpful to be able to normalize and validate what's going on in, in everyone's life right now. Yeah. As Matt, Matt, as you like to say, relationships are the guts of life. Um, right now we're in, you know, our relationships are being strained, particularly families. They're, they're being challenged. So this is important stuff. These are important conversations to have. Um, I like to say that relationships are as valuable or are more valuable than, than, than money itself. And all this, this conversation here, I think is really important as we talk about this idea of building us. Dr. Matt Morris maintains an active private practice for couples and families in the greater New Orleans area. To learn more about his work, visit drmattmorris.com. Eric Garcia can be found online at plan-wisely.com. His branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana. The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance services offered through Garcia Financial Group, LLC. Entities listed are not affiliated.